0: Remember when you loved what you did for a living and you got excited talking about it? The Portfolio Career Podcast is here to help, help you find that next project, next idea, or next friend. Host David Nabinsky will interview those that have optimized their careers for growth, resilience, and ultimately happiness. Tune in and let's have some fun. Hey, friend, really excited for this episode with Nick Kangmana. As a world traveler, Nick brings that perspective to his work and relationships. As such, Nick is a speaker on purpose and mission. He cares deeply about the planet society, primarily works as a business development consultant for early stage startups, and has also been recently organizing and facilitating conversations on social impact in New York. a very diverse and eclectic background, Nick has a lot of different skills and projects within his portfolio career. Hope you can listen to this podcast episode to grow and strengthen your portfolio career as well. Thank you so much and let me know your feedback. Welcome to uh, a Portfolio Career Podcast. Your host, David Novinsky, is here with Nick Kegmana. What's up? What's up, y'all? Well, there's a lot to talk about and Mm. I can't wait. Mm. So maybe what I'd love to hear about earlier on in your career Mm -hmm. were successful sales and consulting and business development types of jobs you had a nice well-paying income tell us what that was like and what were some of those roles and why
1: did you choose those roles super early on in my career i actually started my career sort of doing hospitality Mm. so i think i learned a lot of people skills by actually working at a bakery doing customer service or Working at the register as well as making some of the food and then switching to being a waiter or as you Americans call them servers at a restaurant. And I think that it really taught me the value of having people skills. And then I went and tried to play basketball semi-professionally before I realized I'm five foot eight and not a freak of nature. That really taught me the value of teamwork and leadership and leading as a peer rather than through position or authority where i'd often be the captain of a team and the starting point guard but those titles don't matter that much when you're playing with friends or with teammates people that are your age that are possibly as good as you or better and you have to learn how to lead them and, and convince them to do what you wanted without having the ability to just tell them what to do and eventually i started running basketball leagues and running basketball tournaments as the head of referee have to train them and, and have them deliver to a certain standard that they kept my professional reputation up to scratch and it was mostly just me hiring my teammates and paying them a very very good hourly rate for for, for university students and pretty easy fun work so that was sort of my initial entrepreneurial Experience And how many years ago was that? That would have been when I was around 18, 19, okay. 20, 10, 11 years ago now, <laughs> long time. And then started my career with a summer job in college where I was doing retail for a telecommunication company similar to AT&T. And that was my first professional sales experience. I did, I was fortunate enough to do very well at it very early where I Broke all their records, was their top performer, and, and I was studying sales and marketing mm-hmm. at, at college at the time, and it was kind of just like, a oh, I'm pretty good at this already, why don't I try getting a job now rather than after I finish my degree. So I applied for a bunch of entry-level and slightly beyond jobs in business-to-business sales, and, and got a couple offers, and went into that, and again, had some pretty decent early success. Sales being sales, you make better money than most jobs if you're performing. And so I was making fifty percent more than the average graduate salary my first year out and then more than double the average income my second year out of college.
0: Okay. While you were in college, you got mm-hmm. these roles, you started to see some success and mm-hmm. and then let's fast forward and there's a lot to go yeah. in between, but I'd love to just like get kinda current a little bit to mm-hmm. Talk a lot about you know your mission and, mm-hmm. and your purpose, and you know could you, you know, explain to us where
1: where where you are now? Sure. My purpose is to help shape a post scarcity society that allows every human and the planet to thrive. My reason for having this purpose is because I think that humanity as a species is currently not performing at the level it can be. I think that we're stuck in a lot of historical belief structures mm. and stories that were key to the evolution of and development of humanity to where it is today, but are now holding it back, preventing it from being what it can be. And you know, some of those things include nations and religions and, and artificial scarcity that capitalism is key in creating. You now, if we look at where, at a technological perspective, we could quite easily produce enough food, water, shelter, education, clothing, and healthcare for every human in the world. Mm. It would require a, a value shift where we couldn't have people like Jeff Bezos potentially worth $150 billion. We couldn't have a 1%. Or what is it like five people that own something like 60% of the wealth in the world yeah we couldn't have this level of inequality but what's the real benefit of having this level of inequality right now I mean does Bezos really need that much money does he really benefit by having hundred and fifty billion rather than one and a half billion mm-hmm. and I'm definitely not promoting or trying to create a world where everyone has the exact same amount of money or the government controls everything but I think that we can and should create a baseline level of of life available to humans and i think we really need to drastically shift how we create the value or or artificially create this value of the dollar purely tight capitalistic value sets Mm -hmm. is way too short term it's causing us to do horrible damage to the planet which is putting at risk the survival of our species and i think that that sort of short-term focus and viewpoint is it's 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 scary and it is hugely damaging and we need to make some changes mm-hmm. that will make life better for everyone and then in terms of making
0: life better for for everyone it starts on the real personal level mm-hmm. and i i know that you through glitter through <laughs> high fives yeah. through hugs mm. through That you bring energy to every interaction that that you have. Do you A, I want to say thank you for doing that. And B, do you think do you look at that as making small changes every single day to that conversation? Or, you know, is there intention behind that? Or what walk us through that?
1: It's complex, right? It's not one single motivation behind Mm. it. There's definitely a bunch. One (laughs) Make somebody else smile and it it makes it brings you joy right if 100%. i can if I can go up to a stranger and give them a big hug and make them feel more connected and safe and happy and and joyful, that makes me happier so establishes me as someone that they want to connect with and a huge part of my strategy to be able to help achieve or to be able to achieve my my goal and my purpose is to lead leaders mm. and to lead leaders I need to be able to connect with them if I can make people want to connect with each other more then it absolutely yeah if I bring a little bit of joy to somebody else and they stop feeling so afraid of other people you know being afraid of other people is such a horrible mm. state to live in I think and, and such a harmful attitude to have that's something that that's one reason why I promote travel so much why I think Mm. people traveling is so critical I've been in countries where their customs and attitudes are are so different their languages are so different I've been fortunate and have never had anything really bad happen to me from other people I've never been mugged I've never been Mm. raped or robbed or I mean maybe I've been pickpocketed or something on minimal like that but overall something that I've experienced is that there's goodness everywhere overall I believe humans are good so I think that you're providing that spark and leaning into it and igniting people yeah if we can if we can bring a smile to your face if a stranger can bring a smile to your face then maybe you're a little less afraid of the next stranger yeah and so you know kind
0: of throughout your career you know we talked a little bit about you're making you know having professional very early success very early on Now you're working on multiple projects and working with startups. You know, what does success look like for you? And and why do you make the decisions to work with certain people or companies now compared
1: to in the past? Success is something that I think is hard to measure. There's, again, it's, I mean, there's so much complexity to these questions and these answers. There's no one single metric of success. We can create metrics. One of my metrics is that I want to have quantifiably impacted a billion lives in the Mm. next 20 years. I have no idea how I'm going to quantify (laughs) that yet. 20 years is an incredibly long time frame. Another metric I have is that I want to be able to get in touch with any leader in the world in the next five years. Now, the only real metric that I'm probably going to be able to use to measure that is by testing it, by reaching out to these leaders in five years and I've got a few different strategies that I'm implementing to hopefully be able to achieve this but then there's other metrics of success that I need to achieve to be able to achieve this like I need to make a certain amount of money to be able to live comfortably to be able to have the freedom to pursue my purpose Um, one thing I've realized through my travel is that having a purpose and pursuing a purpose is a very privileged state of being you know i've been in thailand or colombia working with locals and talking to locals and they're trying to survive they're they're worried about feeding their family about clothing their family i don't have to worry about that anywhere near as much as they do like how arrogant would it be for me to say oh that person needs to live a life of purpose like what the fuck? They're wasting their life. They're they're, they're they're not doing that. But that
0: shapes your lens,
1: though, by seeing that and it, understanding yeah. your privilege. I think it shapes my lens. It definitely makes me have higher expectations and hold people who come from more to different standards and different levels of expectations, right? Now, now if I see someone who comes from a... Or who's in a fairly affluent and privileged position, I have less respect for them, I think, and have less motivation or interest in spending time with them if I don't see them living life of purpose. Mm. You know, when I see people that are very rich from a global standard, even more so if they're rich from a New York standard, right? We're both in New York. I mean, I know people that are making hundreds of thousands of dollars that don't really have any greater reason for their being. And And do you, if you...
0: When you talk to them, hmm. are you trying to provide a spark, an hmm. idea to them about purpose? To Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and what
1: does, what, is that, what does that look like? What does that conversation look like? I think it depends on the individual, but often it's asking them those questions, right? Really challenging them in terms of, so why do you do what you do? Hmm. You know, what sort of impact do you want to have? What legacy do you want to create? You know, something we've talked about a lot and and you've done before is you've written an obituary. That's something I recommended you did and very few people, I've, I've challenged a few people to do that. I think it's really an exercise that's really powerful and, and it can really help people understand what is important to them. Mm-hmm. But very few people have the discipline or the strength or the willpower to actually do it, I think. Yeah. Um, So I'll talk to people to a certain amount, but eventually, if I sort of feel like there's no greater purpose, if there's no spark being lit, if there, something that I always or a really powerful line that I I heard is that you can't ever teach anybody anything, you can only help them learn. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so it's similar with inspiration, right? You can provide the spark. But they have to fan the flame. And maybe you aren't good enough at providing sparks if these people aren't responding. Maybe your method of providing a spark isn't effective for them, right? There's no way I'm going to inspire everyone I talk to. But certain people I I think I have inspired and I think I have gotten to thinking about purpose and, and certain people I think that I have actually been part of the reason that they've changed their entire lives. How much of the part? I have no idea. 1%, 10%, 50%. I'm sure it depends on the individual, right? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to,
0: you know, going back to, yes, you did encourage me to write my obituary. Mm. That was a very thought-provoking exercise and it's probably one that i should go back to or we should go back to and look to it yeah, again absolutely. it's one of those things that you should be yeah. constantly
1: monitoring and and checking and and as life is evolving totally yeah your and, values and your purpose will change as your life and society in the world changes absolutely absolutely
0: and so what do you you know if you were to go back to if you were in college, what would you, where would you want to start spending your time on, and what do you think is really important to be focusing on? Like, what would you want to double down on more, and or now too? But just like you know, what do you? Some lessons learned from.
1: Okay, so I started my career in sales, and then I started. I realized I wanted to be able to have more impact than just sales. So probably when I was about twenty. Three, I started really thinking that I wanted to be able to become a CEO. Mm. And then as I started working with startups, and I've been working with pre-Series A startups for the last five, six years now. So it means... I really started developing myself as an expert generalist. And I think really looking at my understanding of the world as developed, I would say a few key skills that I would highly recommend to a 18-year-old today mm. would be the ability to sell. To me, good sales is the ability to connect with someone, build a relationship, understand a need of theirs, mm. find a solution to that need, a genuine solution, not a self-serving bullshit solution. And then to be able to communicate how your solution or the solution you're presenting to them fills their need in a way that they understand it to the level that they actually act on it. Mm. So that ability to sell is something that I think is it's incredibly powerful. Um, and it's something that I don't see... If, if we're talking about the ability to do that with complex problems, I think that's something that I see as something that will take longer for technology to be able to replace humans in being able to do it. Right. Another one is the ability to adapt or change. Um, some people have been referring to it as AQ or your adaptability quotient. I think that we're hitting the exponential part of the rate of change curve, if you look at, at human, human's evolution, and that we're going to see more and more change happening faster and faster. And the people that have the best ability to change themselves their belief structures, their skill sets, their comfort levels in different situations, mm-hmm. their abilities to learn new roles, that's going to be something that's going to be super valuable. I mean, the jobs of five years from now, we, don't, we may not even have those today, right? So how can I tell you what skill to learn aside from the skill of learning and the skill of being able to change? And then I think we're heading to a more emotional world perhaps this is something that I'm thinking about a little bit I'm more and trying to get about, dramas around it Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm trying to understand more because I think from one perspective we're seeing a lot of growth and, and there's a surge in what certain people refer to as feminine or mm. um, more emotionally adept people we're seeing you know, previous generations particularly of males that have been more emotionally repressed sort of be replaced or or there's a lot of talk about that not being so important. You know, people are talking about the heart, yeah. you know, going into the that sort of growth. And then from the other side, we're, we're moving to a more data-driven world. So I'm I'm, I'm not 100% sure of that. I think yeah. understanding emotion is is something that we are starting to do better and better. I, I, I don't know if my opinion is fully formed on that. Mm-hmm. You know, from one perspective, people are becoming more comfortable with emotion and and championing it more. Talking about vulnerability. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Vulnerability is almost creating a a stronger
1: relationship sooner. Totally. But then on the flip side, right, as we're going to more data-driven decision-making, as Mm. we're starting to understand how emotion and feeling and your mental state is biochemical, like, we're starting to be able to understand how frivolous that is to an extent I think and so I don't know I don't yeah, know that's really um, it, that's a whole nother like, talk so what would you Nick what would you like to see
0: you know kind of happen over the next year and, and where where are some of you what are some things that you're really
1: excited about now for me personally I think I think that for the last five plus years I've really been developing myself Really for the last seven to eight years now, I've been purposely developing myself to, to be ready to be the best CEO or COO or whatever title, senior leader, founder, mm-hmm. co-founder of a purpose-driven organization. Other potential things I could do would be to start a venture capital fund or something of that like, maybe a incubator or accelerator or innovator lab mm-hmm. or As I mentioned in the beginning, you have an extensive travel
0: background and Mm. have been involved in startup scenes internationally. You've been Mm. a speaker internationally, a facilitator internationally. How do you see
1: business environment? So I think something that I sort of believe or I've come to believe based off my travels and my experiences working in different countries is that societies also follow a hierarchy of needs. So Maslow's hierarchy of needs is probably the most well-known one. And, and something that I've sort of realized in my study of purpose and positive psychology and happiness and fulfillment and everything Mm -hmm. around that area is that every human has needs to grow, connect, create, contribute, and have a legacy. Can you repeat those? That's five? So yeah, that's so those five sort of core needs, I think, create like a Venn diagram that lead to fulfillment or happiness. Okay. Yeah. So those are humans need to grow, create, contribute, connect, and have a legacy. Mm. And there's sort of a few influences on that. And I think purpose is one of the most powerful ways to make sure that somebody, either an individual and or society... Consciously or self-directs themselves to touch all those buckets to an adequate degree. I think context is really key. Mm. I think a lot of the problems we have in the world today is a lack of context. Context is key to have happiness or to have fulfillment, right? Like if you have suffering, it allows you to have more joy. How do you think about A portfolio career
0: and you know is there a certain area that you're looking to improve or grow in terms of you know either growth resilience happiness productivity
1: so one thing I think that I've seen sort of shift over the last five years or so five or ten years as I've been a professional is we've really moved away from the singular career and 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 a lot of that was driven off I think the scarcity Post World War One and Two, mm-hmm. and the Great Depression, and now over the last sort of 10 20 whatever number of years, as millennials have been in the workforce, you know, some people call us like the now generation or whatever. The, we want it all. Right. We want people. People say, you know, the stupid line, "Oh, you want your cake and to eat it too." I mean, yeah. What the fuck <laughs> is the point of having cake if you're not going to eat it? Like. And, and and I think a lot of us have seen the lack of happiness or the lack of true success that that, that led to, right? We see a lot of old people that are rich and cranky that that worked li- jobs that they didn't really love. And yeah, now they might have some money and they were unselfish enough that they've got a lot of money to give to us, mm. but they're too old to go and enjoy their lives. So and now I think it's it's we're moving into... A career stage where I think that A, because of that rate of change you have to be able to change and, and every time a company sort of changes its phase if you look at a startup, the exact same job title might be a completely different job. Mm-hmm. So the job requirements of a CEO of a pre-seed company is different from a seed company which is different from a series A company which is different from a series B company which is different from a, company, different from a company preparing to IPO and right. Just because you're phenomenal at some of those jobs doesn't mean you're going to be great or even good enough at the other ones, right? That's
0: really interesting, yeah. Like,
1: Mm -hmm. being able to jump between companies and roles is, it's kind of different, right? Now it's...
0: It's It's happening sooner, it's happening quicker, and it's being accepted more (laughs) Mm -hmm. because of how quickly people are changing. I think the average length of of a job is... Is now around like two years, in, yeah. and and that people are in maybe five to six different industries. Totally. While it used yeah. to just be, oh, I'm into consulting. I'm going to be a consultant forever. Mm-hmm. No, people are mm-hmm. bouncing around industries like you wouldn't even believe these totally. days. And I think that that may be going back to your point about growth yeah. and it's just and that learning process mm-hmm. that if you have the core skills and at least the ability to get comfortable with taking a new new leap or a new risk Mm. that that you're able to then learn and you're able to then grow and if companies the more companies are flexible in allowing this that they'll be able to get attractive people that come in and
1: are motivated totally yeah like people that are highly adaptable that have highly transferable skill sets yeah i mean i think another thing that's really interesting now is that and, and this is obviously with massive startup bias, but often people are talking about relevant experience, you know, bringing in somebody who's done it before. And there's differing data that shows differing results, but a lot of it sort of shows that repeat entrepreneurs are not necessarily any more likely, like their future success does not necessarily correlate heavily to their past success. And if you look at entrepreneurships and startups, I mean, a lot of that makes sense because so much of it is you're trying to do something that's never been done before. Yeah. And so, like, if I had successfully built a golf company, that doesn't mean I'm going to be any good at building a car company. Right. Now, maybe we're looking at the wrong variables, right? Maybe, maybe we need to get better at, at understanding, you know, adaptability, quotient, transferable skill sets flexibility of mindset right mental Mm. agility like things like this are really tough to to judge and 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 to test and you know maybe it's resilience um Mm. yeah i mean i think it's it's yeah going back to your original question though around what i see or what i would recommend for someone building a portfolio of career or a career portfolio is yeah diversify um, don't put all your eggs in one basket um, build a personal brand right? Mm. And, and part of building a personal brand is doing multiple things so mm. if you go all in put all your eggs in one basket with one company and that either you don't perform or that company doesn't perform okay hopefully you have some savings and you, can, you have a safety net and you can fail and have time to figure something else out I mean, it's also hyper dependent on the individual. Personally, I'm pretty good at juggling multiple things. I'm able to work with a much higher risk profile than many people. Like, this mm-hmm. is what works for my personal psyche. And, and...
0: All right, Nick. So, what else? Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add about your your career? And
1: I think that one thing that is really important is that sort of that safety net, right? That... I'm really fortunate where I come from a, a family situation where I don't get money from my family or anything like that, but I know that I will never starve. I can take more risks than many people in the world because, because I know that, like, worst case scenario, I make a really embarrassing phone call Maybe I have to go live with family for a while, or but I'm never going to starve. I'm never going to be homeless and on the streets unless I choose to be. That's a very luxurious, privileged position to be in. That is unfortunate. Like, it, it's an incredibly empowering thing. So I would say like to younger people or less established people or just people who aren't fortunate enough to have that sort of privilege, that unfortunately, to some extent, you do have to be You know, you do have to be practical. You do have to chase money. Like this whole like chasing money mindset has been something that like it's been a journey for me where when I was young, I was wanting a lot of money. You know, one of my goals when I was 23 was I want to make a million dollars a year before I'm 30. And then as I got more impact focused, more purpose driven, more, you know, interested in having a big impact in the world, I think first of all, I started having less motivation to make money and then there's almost like a guilt associated Mm, with making making money money. and being rich. I then had a somewhat unhealthy perspective of money from that mindset for a little while and then that caused me to go into a financial position where I had very little money where I've, you know, incurred some debt where, you know, I was working almost for free on some things and it was really just not sustainable it's not practical and it put me in a position that i hadn't been in before and and i started to understand the stress that people that don't have enough money are in and um i think long term that's going to be something that's really beneficial to me you know i think that goes back to the context that i was talking about before right where now i appreciate money much more but i also have a really i have a much stronger drive again to make money in fact like i have more i probably have more drive now to make money than i've ever had Though the reasons that I want to have the money and the way I expect to use that money are very different. A person I have a lot of respect for said uh, a line that, that really stuck out to me. It's. Is there
0: anything else, that any skills or projects or initiatives that else you'd like to talk about?
1: I think that this, this is a conversation we've had actually before a little bit. We were walking home in Oslo. I think it was around 3 Mm -hmm. (laughs) a.m. Both sober, though. And you asked me, like, where do I see the role of people like us? I remember the walk, and yeah, and I remember this conversation, yeah. The ability to build communities and connections is something that is incredibly valuable. You know, you provide a ton of value to other people as well as to yourself. And it's something that I think is, it's going to become more and more important as technology develops as technology replaces a ton of the more isolated roles create relationships between individuals so i think for a young professional that there's those things like your your network is your net worth or you are as valuable as the people you know or whatever or you know you are as valuable as people that know you is there yeah it's it's so important the ability, to, like, some of the things I've managed to experience just by the people I know. If somebody wanted
0: to reach out and support some of your efforts, what would be, how could they find you, and what would be of most value to you now?
1: They can find me on Facebook, Nick Rungroad Kengmana. So if you search Nick, N-I-C-K, King Mana, Kengmana, K-E-N-G-M-A-N-A, uh, I'm the only one in the world feel free to add me, send me a message, whatever you want to talk about. The number one thing that I'm working on right now, and I'm working on it from multiple angles, but the number one thing I'm working on is creating a more purpose-driven startup ecosystem and community in New York. Mm. So, any way you want to support that, whether it's helping me throw events, whether it's through funding, whether it's you're an investor that is interested in supporting purpose-driven startups. And what I mean by purpose-driven is companies that are trying to make the world a better place while at the same time still adhering to, you know, business best practices, still adhering to being able to be hyper-profitable and dense, or hence scale. Or if you're a startup that wants to talk about how you can have a more positive impact or mm. be part of a community that cares about having a positive impact, mm. that is purpose-driven, that cares about more than just making money, then please feel free to reach out. Or if you want to support that community in any other way that you're you're able to. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And so, Nick, I want to acknowledge you. I wanted to say thank you so much for
0: your support well, on you this podcast. Thank you for what you're doing. I'd like to acknowledge you. <laughs> for supporting me on this podcast and beyond. Mm. And also going back, we met on a bus. Mm. uh, We worked summer camp about (laughs) two years ago. Talk about, you never know where one relationship can go. You know, don't say it enough, but you've had a huge impact on my life. You know, as I mentioned, we wrote obituaries together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you've encouraged me to explore a lot of different directions and, you know, really challenged me. I wanted to say thank you so much for that, Nick. I'm really excited about our future together.